This is Colossus, and you're listening to The High Regard Show. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is The High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, don't get better than that. Nope, sir. The things we do for you listeners. Press buttons like a sausage-fingered freak. We don't listen to Tom talk enough. Oh, please. I got a hot mic here. And welcome to the show, everyone. Hi, everybody. Here we go again, yeah? Yeah. All right, that sounds good, I guess. No. <laughs> I thought we were going to do Swedish accents during like this. It seemed like you were going to veer into a Swedish accent. I'm going to try to stay as far away from a Swedish accent as I possibly can, you know, in regards for our listeners. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll thank you, I guess. <laughs> So, I just want to say um, great feedback from last week's show. Yes, guys. Wow. You guys love listening to stories about THC and CBD. And especially cannabis as well, <laughs> which is the same thing. But, yeah. I mean, you you guys really took to the cannabis. <laughs> yeah, well, we always had a feeling we knew our listeners, and now we really, really know our listeners, don't we, Justin? <laughs> There's a reason why we called this show the High Regard Show in the first place. How weird is it that it all has come full circle? I think that's exactly what we intended. I don't know about that at the beginning, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I guess we're there now, though. <laughs> So, um, you know, I just wanted to recognize that and everybody who's shown interest and the people who are still continuing to show interest and want to actually come on the show and talk about their stories. Um, we will be getting more of those. I mean, we're going to definitely delve into the topic more as we go along because we have enough people who want to talk about it, which is great. Absolutely. And I mean, the times they are changing, even though they, you know, kind of seem to be having a roadblock kind of being set up in the distance, you know, people are still, you know, moving forward. And this is something that hopefully comes to every state. So we need to open up that discussion and talk about the benefits and things that are going on with it. Well, that's it. It's not like we're promoting cocaine or anything bizarre that doesn't have like too many, you know, healing properties. But I mean, in a case like this, it's there's too much indisputable evidence that it is a good thing to just pass by it. And I think the more people get talking about, you know, the introduction of cannabis into the medical field, and I mean, you know, people might feel weird about it going on, you know, um, the recreational side. I get that. But at the end of the day, if it's not hurting anybody, I don't really care what you do. Right, because you are doing things that I really honestly don't care about. And you see, like, all of the things that are coming out in the news of, like, allegations about this and that and this and the other thing. Like, everybody has something that they do that is probably not something that you would be interested in. So, mm-hmm. And watch how I tie this all together as the show goes on. Because I will tie this all together as the show goes on. This isn't the last you've heard of this. Oh, boy. But before we get into that. Why don't we get into a you heard so we can welcome this week's guest? Yes, let's do that. On with it then. You heard? This week's You Heard comes to us from 149th Street between Convent and Amsterdam. As so many of them do. 
As so many of them do. (laughs) (laughs) You got to respect him because he's hustling all of us. Now he could, this person could be either be talking about the corner drug dealer. Could be. Or the, you know, leader of the free world. (laughs) Well, um, it was the leader of the free world. It could have went either way, though, really. Right, sure, sure. I mean, I've been hustled for sure, so I mean, you know, whatever. (laughs) Haven't we all? Mm-hmm. But yes, he was talking about the orange president that sits in the White House. And, you know, it was a fitting you heard because this is the anniversary of his first year in office, the closing of his first year. Man. Did we honestly think we would even reach this point? (laughs) I mean, you know, it happens all the time, I think, with every president. Because no matter what, you're going to have 50% of the country against you. Sure. So I remember when Obama had got elected president and just waiting to like turn on the news, to turn on the TV or open a newspaper or and just seeing that, oh, there's a possible, you know, assassination attempt. And I think everyone felt that way, like right after like the election, because it was like, there's no way this guy's going to get that far. Right. Especially given what we've seen become so rampant in this country over the last 12 years. No, not even 12 months. Over the last, like, two years, really. Two, three years. What we, the, the racism that we've seen just kind of... Unfold. Unfold and, unfold just... and just, not, just not just become something that, like, we thought was there, but become something that, like, is celebrated in so many areas of the country. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's messed up. But somehow, you know, he made it past his first year and he continued on. And by the time it was all said and done... Still half the country hated him. And now some, you know, another person comes in and half the country is going to hate him. And we can all sit sure. there and think like, it's the political well, cycle. What's going to happen next? And that's all we can do is sit there and think about what can happen next unless we start to become more involved in it. Exactly. So why don't we get out of your herd and get into the meat and potatoes of this week's show? All right. So part of that kind of becoming a beacon of change and not wanting to keep the same apple cart and really forge ahead with real change that we can see, people are starting to really run for office. You know, we see that we saw that here in New York City where so many people I saw so many activists running and so many activists are getting involved, not just boots on the ground at protests, which you know, are a really great way to show solidarity with things that are happening. I've been part of so many protests over the last year, reporting from, you know, inside of them for the city and things like that. On both sides, yeah. I mean yeah, no, I went I went to a pro Trump rally, I went to anti Trump rallies, I went to the March for Science, I went to a lot of protests this year. But while they're great and they're they're powerful statements, I mean there's you can't like, there's something breathtaking about standing on a city street with thousands of other New Yorkers and other people who come from outside of the city to stand in solidarity for something like science, like just the climate and, and those things. But then when you saw the women march on Washington for the biggest, like, protest that ever happened in U.S. history, when you saw that, like it, it brings tears to my eyes because it's like, holy shit, like we're standing up and we're like, we're not going to fucking put up with this anymore. But 
protesting is only going to do so much because you go home from your protest, you're still going to fight, you go to the next protest. But in order to do real change, you need to do it from the inside of the government. Mm-hmm. And that's very hard for a lot of people to get into because you see people buying whatever they want to get to the office that they want, spending all these billions and billions of dollars running and campaigning and things like that. But the real people are the people that are going to be able to make the change because they're the ones who are directly affected. Say what you want about any supporter, whether you were a Hillary supporter, a a, a Trump supporter, you're probably not going to get anything out of either of them that you really, really wanted for, you know, the taxes and things like that. So how do you do this? You run for office. But how do I, as just a Joe Schmo living on the street, you know, living any in any town USA, how do I make that change happen? Tell me, Joe Schmo. <laughs> and that's Joe with a J-O, like a woman Joe. Oh, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> because there's this wonderful organization called Vote Run Lead, which trains women how to run for office to effectively become leaders, the things that they need to learn, how to campaign, that you don't need billions and billions of dollars, and how you can take if you've never run for office before, but you have, you've lived your life, you've had life, things that you can do that are relatable, like the skills, how to make your skills relatable to a voter. And I had the pleasure of interviewing their CEO and founder, Aaron Velarde, who after the Women's March here in New York on Saturday the 20th, they're going to be hosting a Vote Run Lead event where they're going to have speakers and you're going to have um, like workshops and things, all how to take this less these lessons and get yourself in an office and really take what you want, take what you're protesting about and make that change within the government itself. Mm. Well, that is quite interesting. It really was. It really, really was. Because, you know, and it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to run for office. Like, there are so many things, especially in New York City. Like, even just trying to get to some offices to speak to someone to get quotes is hard. So you can imagine trying to break into that as someone who wants to run for that office. Mm -hmm. Um, So Aaron's talks a little bit about what the organization did and how her running for seventh grade class president kind of started her on this path of making change um you know and that and kind of what they're going to be doing after the march and her hopes for 2018 and women in politics this year all right well why don't we roll that fabulous bean footage and get to erin in her own words Great. So can you just give me a little bit of background, um, kind of how and when Vote Run Lead came about? Sure. Uh, We launched officially in September of 2014, um, but we were a program of another women's organization for about eight years. Um, And our relaunch, if you will, in 2014 was very much using technology um, to help deliver our curriculum and our training programs around the country. Prior to that, we were driving around in cars and, you know, doing a lot of bricks and mortar and um, with a group called the White House Project. Okay. Okay, great. And what got you interested in politics, you know, to start? (laughs) (laughs) My sister had me subscribe to Ms. Magazine in the seventh grade. So um, (laughs) after that uh, little bit of activism, I ended up running for class president, and um, that that was the bug that got me. But I've, you know, 
long believed that the world would be a better place if more women were in charge and really felt like government was um, the vehicle to making that happen. Right, right. And, you know, you're aiming to uh, to train 30,000 women by 2020. So yes, how many women, you know, have you not only inspired but also helped run since uh, Vote Run Lead, even, you know, through the first inception, like those first eight years that you were with the other organization? Um, we're at about 26,000 women trained. Um, and in 2017, we trained 3,200. So um, next this year, now that it's 2018, finally, are we looking at a, a growth rate of about 150%? We're trying to get to 8,000 women this year, so 8, 10, 12. Um, and already have some great partnerships lined up that allow us to, you know, we're talking with the sorority, the Deltas. Um, we're working in a coalition with other women's organizations to serve as the training engine. We're doing a training for about 300 women after the Women's March on Saturday, the 20th. Um, and then what's great is that there's so much of the work is available also online. Right. And and is it free for, for people to, to, to get this training, or is there a cost? There's cost as you get long. So if something's like a, a, a day-long session or a multi-day session, it does have cost to it. But the okay. online right now is free. Okay, great. And, you know, what type of, you know, what are the typical offices that women who work with Vote Run Lead, you know, are typically pursuing? Typically, right now, we're seeing a surge in city council and state legislature. Okay, great. But, you know, we have a comptroller and we have, a, you know, district attorneys and, um, you know, there's um, – hasn't been the push for school boards just yet, but um, I think that we'll see some school board stuff um, as well, probably. Yeah. I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd expect. I'd be surprised. <laughs> but, we're, but state legislature is really hot on everyone's mind right now. Right, of course, um, especially this year. Um, you know, how has, you know, speaking of, you know, kind of switching from last year, which was just a dumpster fire, um, you know, how has last year and the political climate of the past few years, plus this call to arms that we've finally seen about sexual harassment, affected Vote Run Lead? You know, how, has you, have you seen an uptick in, you know, interest in women and companies looking to, to train their women? You know, how has that kind of climate affected the organization? Well, prior to the election, um, we saw women who were looking for a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. And after the election, about 60% of the women were looking to run between now and 2020. And that we are finding is holding true, is that the urgency to run is to run right now. Mm -hmm. um, whereas previously, the urgency to run was to learn, there wasn't. It was, I want to learn how to do this as a potential possibility for myself. Right. Um, so that shift in urgency is, is still holding strong. Um, we reached 10,000 women who signed up and took an action. So RSVP'd for a class or, you know, we're not discounting email addresses. These women are actively, you know, like participating. So we find that to be a really strong number. Um, and that was election day to election day. We hit 10,000 women, which is pretty great. Wow. And that's awesome. Yeah. And can and, you just walk? Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Continue. <laughs> And then, I, you know, we're definitely seeing more partner organizations say we want to bring political leadership and how to run to our organization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's part of our advocacy tools because I think for so long we've been, as women, we've been really talking about the women's vote, and now um, we recognize that we need some of us to, you know, 10% of us to consider public office. Right. 
And can you walk me through just a little bit of the things that, you know, the, the, the tools that you give women, you know, from running from, you know, I just, I'm angry, I want to see change, I don't know anything about politics, sure. you know. So last year, and, and we're formalizing it, we're probably launching it in February, is a full curriculum called Run As You Are. And what the Run As You Are is a strength-based curriculum that really sort of teaches women that they already have a bulk of the skills necessary to run for public office. And it's how to market them in a political environment. Um, one of the things we teach is something called the 90-day challenge, which is 30 actions in 90 days that will accelerate your political capital and relationship building within your community or district. So that's like one of the first pieces. The, one of our signature pieces is our communications training. That's basically why are you running and how and storytelling. You, you know, you're not going to be doing major televised debates. You're not going to be, you know, right. you're going to be going and knocking on your neighbor's doors, and you have to have a compelling story about your motivation for why you're a crazy person who wants to run for office and, you know, where it sort of touches your, your heart and head. Right. Um, and then what are the things in your life experiences that are translatable to, you know, whether it be volunteerism or executive leadership or, um, you know, you're ready to cut your teeth in politics and you're a young woman but you're telling people about your work ethic and your, you know, so we, we do a lot, a heavy bit of communications. Um, and then of course, we're talking about, you know, the long tail of campaigns. So we have some things called like backyard digital, which is how to use digital tools that, um, you know, are not going to be wildly expensive. Um, fundraising for a $10,000 or $2,000 campaign, really demystifying the amount of money you might need to raise and how that will be manageable for you. Um, and on the campaigning side, just really, again, demystifying what it would take to win. You know, I remember right. someone at our conference in November saying, oh, my God, this person won school board with 569 votes? That's it? 569, you know, just really understanding and breaking down some of this, like, the, the clouds we have around what it takes to run a campaign. Right. And, you know, is it, is it hard for – because – you know, New York City is such a weird place politically. Like, there's so many hoops to jump through and, and things like that. And, you know, each place, each city and town is, are different. So, like, do you have, you know, boots on the ground across the country to kind of know what kind of election laws there are and things like that? We have a really fantastic alumni network of a few thousand women in a private Facebook group that basically serve as the brain around the okay. country, okay. which is awesome. So they're answering those kind of questions. We have about 30 trainers across the country, and so if we're not in your state, we know someone who is and can make sure you're getting connected. Um, and, you know, we are very much openly talking about the kind of political culture in the community. So mm -hmm. in a place like New York City, <coughs> excuse me, the machine. You have to go and kiss the ring and you have to play the machine, right. you know. <laughs> um, and so... You can go around it for sure, and this is what it will take, but it's a lot easier to, you know, to work the machine and then to say I'm going around it, but I went and at least did the kissing of the ring. So, um, and we have, you know, being in New York, we have a great alumni base to be able to, um, you know, for example, we did something last year called 10 Ways to Get Involved in New York City. One of the things that was about getting involved was also considering going home. <laughs> we have an abundance <laughs> of talent in this city um, and looking at, you know, what it might mean to move back to some of our, 
more rural communities that we came from and, you know, make sure that we're, you know, creating thriving communities in our hometown. Awesome. I, that's, that's incredible. Um, do you, uh, what can people expect, you know, after the march on next Saturday? You know, what can attendees expect? Sure. And, and it has registration closed for that? No, we actually just opened it like two days ago. Okay. So because okay. it was kind of a hot mess getting all the event, like every event space is taken or it was a million dollars. So right. <laughs> um, so we and we'll probably be announcing like a whole bunch of new partners, but we're going to have you know anywhere from like thirty to forty coaches, so that people can get into like small groups of like ten or fifteen and get you know a cocktail and a conversation going with coaches, get some of our resources. There'll be other organizations that are tabling there to initiate some conversations to say, do you want to run for office? Do you want to help women run for office? Or do you want to do other advocacy? So those are the three buckets of um, coaching sessions that we'll be having. There'll be a panel on, um, of course, how to end sexual assault and, and harassment. Um, hoping for some, some big names. Of course, we'll have some speakers who sort of inspirational peeps, hoping that um, Senator Gillibrand will say yes, and then, you know, conversation with her team. Um, we've invited Kish James, Helen Rosenthal and the Women's Caucus of the New York City Council are co-sponsoring. Um, the Ms. Foundation is co-sponsoring, so they'll, they'll be bringing some activists to help, um, as well as the New York Women's Foundation. So, um, and then we also have the Athena Center for uh, Leadership Studies up at Barnard College, who's bringing the college women contingent, which is going to be great. That's awesome. And um, are you marching yourself in the Women's March? Or obviously yes, we are. Yes, great. We are. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great, great. We're probably not doing, like, come meet us at the march. It's actually my board retreat the day before, so we're, like, driving down to, like, catch the 11 a.m. kickoff with, like, me and a couple of my board members. Um, mm-hmm. And have you ever, you know, personally considered a run for office beyond, you know, your your seventh grade class president? <laughs> oh, nobody ran against me. I was class president all the way through senior year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yes, I have. I have, actually. And, and I have considered, you know, looking back um, I'm from South Jersey and Promotion County. Um, I was very upset when I saw the abundance of Trump signs in what I, you know, um, I grew up in a working class neighborhood. While I could understand it, it was it was somewhat upsetting. Um, and, you know, looked around at some of the social services. I remember being at the DMV last year and just thinking, how poorly it was run and how all these women, you know, four women in 15 empty kiosks trying to service, you know, 500-person line. Right. And, just, you know, we've got to do government better, and that's what women do best. So um, it definitely was one of those moments where it was, you know, time for me to kind of reconsider my own my own political ambitions. Do you think someday that you might, you know, have, have that spark again? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm tremendously busy, um, <laughs> and I'm really um, – I'm very much loving what's happening right now, so it would be hard to pull me away. Right. You know, and finally, with, um, you know, especially as it seems a number, a record number of women are are considering runs for governors this year in in a bunch of states, you know, what are your hopes for women in politics for 2018? Like, what is your, like, one or two wish things that you really would like to see this year? I would like to see the parties do, at a national level, I'd like to see the parties do a bit more of the transformation in being receptive and open to women, uh, mm-hmm. to the women's agenda, and taking it off this sort of political football of going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the local level, I, you know, 
I want there to be so many stories that we can't keep count. Right. Um, and I don't want, and I'm a, what I am fearful of is that there will be a backlash around the women losing. More women are going to run, more women are going to win, but more women are also going to lose. And this this idea that, oh, we took this risk on women and they lost, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to make sure we're mitigating that and knowing that this, that's an old story that we that the parties tell us um, right. when they should be continuing to invest in women, and especially women of color. Well, that is all that I have for you, Erin. Um, is there anything else that you want to add about Vote Run Made, um, the event next week, the Women's March, you know, any other thoughts that you want to share? Um, no, I think that's it for right now. Okay, great. Well, thank you so, so much, everybody. So that was my interview with Aaron from Vote Run Lead. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I have some I, I have some thoughts on this. I think Do that tell. Oh, I will. I will because that's what I'm known for. And I have a microphone in front of me. That's so. right. That's right. I have a microphone in front of me and the power button. So I think I'm pretty safe to just ramble on if I felt like it. Um <clears throat> my first thought of it is as I think that the biggest component to this is being able to teach people, women specifically, how to get in office. I think that that is the most important factor of the entire organization. And I also think that the vehicle of the marches are a good way to get the word out and the message that, you know, standing here in the cold or walking in like the sweltering the heat. The rain, right, exactly. It's not necessarily going to make the change that you want, but it is going to show you that there is a bunch of other like-minded people so that if you decided to run, it wouldn't be in vain. Like you right. could sit there and see the numbers are there, like people with like-minded ideas that want to go ahead and do this. I also think that right now, the march is starting to wear itself thin. We've been now, I would say, you know, we got to go back like to, you know, the riots in St. Louis up till now. I mean, that's really when the march has really, really started with the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and stuff like that here in the city where the first marches just started popping up. And, you know, here was a couple of hundred people walking down the street. And then like a couple of weeks later, it was a couple of thousand. Right. And right. now, you know, where at marches, I would say still to this point, just about every week there's another march. But Right, sure. But every day you turn on a TV and there's more and insane nothing bullshit is changing. happening. Right, and nothing is changing. Right. So the question, the, 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 the thing that's happening here twofold is that this organization is saying – all right, marching is great, but you have to learn how to get in and make a change. This is what I appreciate about it. But on the other end of that, it's kind of like the march is almost like a dead form. And it's happened before, like in the 60s, there was plenty of marches. And then it went away. You didn't hear about marches forever. Right, and that's why it was so newsworthy when people started protesting after the election. You know, after the election is when the, the current... Political political protests really just got, you know, underway. Um, But yeah, I mean, and I get that because real change doesn't happen on the streets, unfortunately. 
it happens in the offices. It happens, and especially in, because one of the things that I did want to ask her, and I did ask her, was, you know, what are the offices that these women that you've trained, like 26,000 women, that's right. a lot of women that <laughs> yeah, you've trained to run for office. Their goal is, you know, 50,000. And, you know, they're definitely going to get there because they have people everywhere. Because this, this, the nature of this government in this country is fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, I think it's really interesting that they have people everywhere to like know what's ha- like what the laws are here and what you need to do here and and things like that. But what was interesting was that the women are mostly running that like they see like the majority of women are running for a city council position, a you know, and 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 localized right because that is really where the laws that are made and the things that are put into practice at the top, those are the people that are really, you know, going to make that difference with their local people and have that be like, no, this is not what my people want. So when they get to Washington and they're, they become a Senator or representative, you know, they're going to be like, no, this is not what my people want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the other end of that is, is that the idea of running sounds like a fantastic idea get involved run and see what it is you know if you can make the changes that you need to change but the reality of it is not necessarily that easy there was a time when i lived in pennsylvania Mm -hmm. where i thought about actually running for township supervisor not that the other township supervisor was bad at the time he wasn't he was liked by everybody he did a decent job you never really had too many complaints aside from you know, ripped up roads and potholes and, and things like that. And that's what a supervisor, a township supervisor would do? Like, they would he, he handle... He would be part of that. He would be part of that budgeting process in order to get, like, you know, those things fixed. Fields for, like, you know, kids' sports and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, you know, allocating, you know, let's say, uh, landscaping services for those type of fields as opposed to on the side of the highway. My thing was, like... Nobody gives a shit what happens on the side of the highway. You're driving through it for a reason. There's there's no parking spaces on the side of the highway, but you have like 800 kids in a town with nowhere to go and a field that just needs to be mowed in order to get organized sports in place. Right. That should probably be like the way you should go about it. And again, my involvement was based on like what I personally needed for my kids. That's why right. I would have ran. And Because that was the type of stuff that you did as a kid and you wanted your kids to have that same experience exactly and not just mine just other kids just seeing like kids hanging out like at a bus stop because there was no place for them to go and like you know you're you're living in the middle of the country and like where you all congregate is like the one patch of asphalt like this is not country living at its finest but it's the only place where you can go where you're not going to get you know whipped up by a bunch of ticks or whatever the hell else whipped, up, whipped I mean, up by a bunch of ticks because there is i mean it was it was a dangerous thing and like at the time there was a lot of lyme disease of still course, is yeah. i mean no, you yeah. know, these are things that we're you talking have to be... we're talking country living like for sure right so it's like do i want to take that post away from somebody else and i'm willing to bet anybody who's ever looked into this and gone to the point where i have gone Nine out of ten people will realize what others in your area will look into about you. Mm-hmm. And you'll just say, it ain't fucking worth it, man. Like, I don't need to have that many people in my business talking about what's happening behind right. my closed doors. 
I'm telling you how I can make life better for your kids. Right. The, you, future, the future of this area, And you're talking yeah. about what's happening in my family situation at right. the time. And it got to the point where it was like, you know what? Fuck you, man. Like, you, you want to do it? You figure it right, all out. Right. Like, I'm not going to put my family on the front lines of this. And I would say probably. Because you don't want to know. You don't want to show where the bodies are buried. That's it. And I would say <laughs> nine out of ten people probably don't realize, you know, what the hell they're going to be confronted with. And as soon as they do, we'll say, forget it. I'm pushing the eject button like this is getting right, too personal. Right, yeah. And the other person is too much of an egomaniac to realize that's what's happening and just pushes through. So maybe like one out of ten will right, really get right. it and make an impact. Right. But there has to be. And the marching isn't doing it. And just running isn't, you know, security enough for most people because they're going to get the wrath whether they like it or not. Sure. You could be the greatest person in the world, made a mistake 15 years ago, and you could bet the only thing people are going to know you for is that 15-year old mistake. Right, right. Because, I mean, I remember, like, you know, they made a, a thing about George Bush, like, using cocaine, Obama smoking pot. But, you know, like... Years and years and years, years prior years, years to later. their running. But Trump, you know, harassed and has rape allegations of Bless against weaker. people against a, a child that's 13. And that's just like, oh, we'll, we'll just wipe that away. But, you know, and, and that's true. And I, I remember when I was young and like, I, I, I I'm kind of reluctant to even bring this up because I don't really remember a lot of the details because I was so young. But my mom ran for mayor of the little town that we came from. Um before she met my stepdad, like, you know, it was she was still married to my father and she ran for mayor and she lost by very, very few votes. Mm -hmm. Um and I and I don't remember, but I just remember like going to events with her and, and just getting like swept up into that. And I just remember taking at her campaign office, I remember my dad taking me and my brother to her campaign office to bring her split pea soup. That's the story. That's of the politics? story. That's the story. Yeah, like, and I just remember when we still have posters like "Vote for Chris Mascali," and like, and I just remember that was such like that was a moment that she for years was still so proud of because where we're fr where I'm from is a very old school boys club, just like most of politics is, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like the good old boys, the country boys doing this and that. And she didn't want that. Like she wanted change for her kids. She wanted better things done in the neighborhood and things like that. And she came very close to winning. And her and I have talked about this a lot. And I think that, you know, there are still times she wished she did. And I think that like there are still times yeah, yeah, that she would actually, you know, Get that suit back on and get back out there again. Get that suit. Get that pantsuit back <laughs> oh on God. and head on out on the trail. She would stab you in the face for saying uh -huh. that. <laughs> but seriously, I the, the marching thing at some point is going to turn ugly because you can only keep getting batted down so many times you before mean, you come up swinging. What do you mean? Uh, like, do you think it's going to turn into like a Kent State type thing? It will or get like violent. A violent I, like... I think there's only a matter of time where you put a bunch of people that are not getting their way in a cluster, you know, with mm -hmm. not a lot of supervision. And, you know, you keep telling them like how bad you got it. Eventually, it's not going to be a peaceful march. It's amazing that the marches have been so you know for the most part key. right for the most part yeah but i mean you look at like people in europe who march 
uh, or who have, I wouldn't even call it a march. I would call it more of a mob. They're mobbing more than anything mm -hmm. and hitting the streets. And they always end with tear gas and riot police and stuff like that. We're right. not having situations like that yet. But for these marches, I mean, yeah. like when you, because we can't like St. Louis was well, a I, bloodbath. Yeah, but I think that like right now people still have hope. And that's where it gets tricky because you keep going out there thinking that there's going to be a change. And eventually you're going to realize change isn't going to come without drastic measures. Right. Walking is not that drastic of a measure. It's great, again, that you could see the numbers around you of like right. people. Right, and to show that like this is a lot of people that disagree with how things are being run, that disagree with things that are happening, that are raising awareness. And I think that like I don't ever want to see the protests go away. But right. again, but like they do reach a point, I, I think, where they do just become more they, of a hindrance than an effective tool. It's white noise. It's white noise because seriously, if you protest every single week and week after week, nothing changes. You know, like I would say most politicians like that are out there right now, ignore it completely. Because they right. got way bigger things on their plate right. to to fry right now, and you know it's gonna take it's gonna take that first bottle being thrown in order to shake things up and get things moving. And it's really, really unfortunate that that's the case. But you can only be told no so long right, for something exactly. that you need or want right. before you try to go out and take it. Right. I mean, and the revolution is definitely gearing up. I mean, I, I definitely feel that that's coming. And I think that a really good way of doing that is learning how to run for office, which is why I think Vote Run Lead and this event that they're hosting after the Women's March in New York this weekend is a really good starting point where, hey, you know what? Go march. Raise your signs. Let the frustrations that we all feel, because we all the majority of us are frustrated. The majority of us... You could see in the numbers. ...are horrified. Absolutely. Like, we are absolutely horrified by what's happening. So now, we've protested. We've spent the past year and a half protesting this man. Now, let's learn how to unseat him and his cronies. Whether it's vote run lead, whether it's you doing the research, going to your community meetings, your township meetings, and getting involved as a human being that lives in this neighborhood... Get involved and start making the change with your local governments because that's how we're going to reach the top as well. Now, one last thing before we finish this segment. Do you think that we have what's needed in order to get over that hump and make that change? Or do you think that we have become so complacent at this point in time in an age where just this past weekend there was a nuclear missile alert oh my like God. for the Hawaiian islands. And when you told me, I was just like, all right, whatever. Like it didn't even phase me in the least that that was a possibility because I think so many people, and I don't think I'm the only one. And I know that I'm might be looked at as horrible for thinking this way. Maybe we've gone off the rails so much where just wipe the just slate clean. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Just and I mean, wash our beefs, like, wipe the slate clean. That's it, man. I mean, 
I don't want to see like a nuclear war, but at the end no. of the day, it's kind of like, well, if it happens, is anyone going to be surprised at this point in time? No, I, I honestly don't think so. And, th- and that's a conversation that I had with my mom the other day um, where we were talking about, I mean, like we, like we know that like she's a supporter. She still is like, he's done great things. He's done great things. And like, I can't always, name one, but, and, but she, <laughs> one of them that she named was that she said, I think that he is responsible for the talks between North and South Korea. And I'm just like, whatever but he's he's kicking the hornet's nest is what he's doing where everybody else has kind of kept them at arm's length away while still being involved and aware of what's going on there Mm -hmm. but like this is the first person to push north korea into a situation that could be dangerous when i was a kid i was petrified of nuclear war because i grew up in the early 80s you know we still had the cold war the berlin wall was still up for you know the first 12 13 years of my life so it was still like the cold war was still something you know commies were still something to be like but like nuclear war was something that we studied they had us learn what like we learned about fallout shelters and things like that and now it's like you know i think it's going to be horrible Mm -hmm. but i think it's inevitable and i think it's going to happen in our lifetime, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think it's going to happen maybe, maybe in the next 10 years. Yeah, I don't maybe, think it's going to happen right away. But I just think that like. The- I think we're going to, we're not going to live past Tyler's kids. Like, I, I really don't think yeah, that I don't like Tyler, I, I can see something major happening with Ty- like by the time Tyler has kids of her own. If she wants them or she's of that age, because who knows what she wants that way. <sighs> but. Now I'm just like, you know what, instead of being afraid, like I would have nightmares of like the fallout and the the aftermath and all this stuff. And now I'm just like, all I want to do is make sure that the MTA doesn't fuck me so that I'm home with you when it hits. That's all that I want. Well, I really think that's all you can do. I mean, people putting their kids in drainage pipes and stuff like that when the thing went off and it's kind of like, that's not going to save you. That, like that, you're you're fucking all you're doing basically is burying yourself so someone else doesn't have to. You're already going to exactly, That's yeah, it. yeah. And I mean, like, and the, just watching those things and reading about the father who was in the bathtub with his kids praying, like. That's frightening. Yeah, it is, but it's the times we live in right now, and you know, again, if the people that are in charge aren't phased by it, then. It's a more of a chance of it happening. It's just right, the way course, it is. Of course. So, and, you know, I guess all we could do is hope that the right people get in to where they're going and we hit more saner times. I mean, years ago, I had this Logan's Run mentality, but I really, <laughs> really honestly thought nobody should live past the age of 24. I thought you should get to the age 24 and that should be it. 25 max. And oh my then God, you that's just, horrible. It's not horrible, though, because I feel like once you hit 25, at that point in time, you're already done, man. You're heading downhill. That's ridiculous. It's I'm not, sorry. No, I not. totally disagree with that because I, don't I didn't even meet you until I was in my 30s. And I think my 30s were the best years of my life. Mm, no, I don't and know, And not man. just because of you, so don't get all freaking cocky. No, I'm not getting but all I'm cocky. Saying, but I'm just saying, like, your ideas for expansion usually. I'm not talking about, like, your normal everyday happiness. Like, your your ability to be, like... I disagree with that. A, a useful person in society because you have 
you know, no. I think more of a grasp on what's coming up as to somebody who's older and just setting their ways. I'm 45 years old. I'm, well, I'm 47 years old. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if I started making rules for people in their 20s, I would have no idea where to start because I can't associate with them. Why would I want somebody who's in their 80s making up rules for me? Exactly. Then we have a thing right. like no, Jeff exactly. Sessions where we're like going, okay, Here's all these things that came out on marijuana for medical purposes. These are all beneficial. Right. And him saying, yeah, but back in 1940, I was told that it was bad. So we're exactly. going to continue to make it illegal. Exactly. And, you know, back when I was starting out in my career, LGBT people didn't have the rights, didn't have rights or anything like that. They weren't considered humans, really. They weren't, con they were, they were, no they were nobodies in the eyes of the government. Right. So, like, that's the way it's always been. But it's just like... I, I, yeah, I mean, and I get that, but like, I, I disagree with your point that people can't change because I have changed completely against every ideology that my parents taught me. I, I have completely 180'd from that. You are not the norm because most people don't leave home exactly. to seek that out. Right. No, I know that. And I, and I, and I think I'm lucky that I finally like was able to maybe be smart not be smart enough because i'm never going to be smart enough for any of this shit but like but to be smart enough to recognize that like hey man like there's something fucked up with how i've thought my whole life and my mother actually the other day when we were talking about the north korea and we talked about paul ryan and all this other bullshit she actually called me a bleeding heart liberal that must have made you so proud and i was just like <sighs> All right. I made it. And I'm just like, okay, and then I will call you a gun-toting Republican. And then that caused, of that escalated it, it. And I was just like, but fine. Like, it is what it is. But people can change. And I think I think governments can change as long as it's still standing and, you know, not in a nuclear fallout. How about everybody just take care of themselves and stop worrying what the fuck everybody else is doing? And maybe that would also help, <laughs> perhaps, you know? Perhaps, Stop putting your ide ideology on us. We'll stop putting our ideology on you. Everybody just yeah. live, and if you want to listen to the show, listen to the show. You don't want to listen to the show? Hey, man, that's fine. That's Whatever. fine. We probably didn't want you to listen anyway. You that's dick. right. Can we wrap this up and move yes, on to my God. Uh, Potsy, I think, maybe? Yes. All right, good deal. Okay, Potsy, start talking. All right. So I didn't realize we were even here right now. <laughs> That's one of the benefits of being a Potsy. You really don't know what no the hell is going on. <laughs> so this week, um, I know last week we missed because we had that special segment. Yes. Um, which was absolutely which fantastic. Which was incredible. Sage was fantastic. Sage was really, really good. Not, not so... I would say it wasn't just entertainment value. It was definitely educational value. Um, mm -hmm. I have yet to make some of the recipes that she had discussed, but I am hoping by next weekend to get involved in that. I'm hoping as well because that olive oil sounded incredible. It did, and I do want to make some Reese's peanut butter cups too. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> craving Reese's peanut butter cups. Alrighty. So, um, you know, this week um, – I just wanted to just maybe just talk a little bit about like the amount of nausea that I'm going through right now. You are in a lot of pain right now and I am not happy about it. Well, it's what it is. I mean, took another spill this week and did something to my knee. I don't know what the hell I did to it, but I'm having a very, very hard time straightening it out. 
And you would think like, all right, that's a physical injury. So, I mean, understandable enough. But the nausea is driving me out of my mind. And I don't know if it's from, you know, the environment within the apartment itself, whether it's too hot or too cold because the temperature has been just all it's been over ridiculous. the place. It's been ridiculous. Like we, we've had this cold snap in this city for the past, like since Christmas, we had like two weeks of below freezing temperatures, mm-hmm. which has not happened in years. And the whole time, like, you know, our apartment's been like pretty hot. It's been like ridiculous. Yeah, and, but you crack a window when it's hot and then window. it's like, yeah. okay, it feels nice in here. Yeah. So, I mean, like it's been like, I personally have not been sleeping very well. I've been a pretty much of a zombie the last two week, two weeks or since Christmas because it's been so hot for me just sleeping mm-hmm. where you're sitting there and you're shivering and you're cold. And, <laughs> Ain't that and, the truth. So it's just like Jesus Christ. But you have just the last week or so, I have been extremely worried about you. I just cannot stop feeling nauseous. It's absolutely crazy. And you know what's really weird is the one thing that I feel helps, like where I feel most comfortable, and I just can't get involved with doing this again, is if I'm laying down in bed under the weighted blanket. Because for Christmas, you had got me a weighted blanket. I sure did. Love it. And if you are a person who has pots, or you just like to be a person who likes to just be, you know, have the weight of something on you when you're sleeping. This thing has been freaking awesome. It's not super big. I mean, you got the biggest size they have. Yeah, it's it's basically like the width of a sleeping bag. Yeah. Which and is ridiculous. That's like the extra large. And it, it's ridiculous how not big it is. But if it was any bigger, you would not be able to fucking no. lift it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that's the highest. I got it from Mosaic Blankets, which mm-hmm. was, I mean, it's great. It's great quality. And I put it on once and I was just like, oh, God damn. It, the dog loves it. <laughs> yeah, the dog loves it. And I'm shocked because it weighs, it's half her body weight. And she's like, put it on me. <laughs> but I don't know what it is, but like. If I lay in bed and I put that on me, like I don't feel like I feel anchored to something. But if you were sitting on top of it or if you were sitting just we didn't have this and you were under the regular covers, you would feel nauseous in bed. Absolutely. 100%. And this and when you have this on, you don't feel nauseous. Not nearly as much. Not nearly as much. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the pressure on my stomach or if it's just... The feeling of maybe just, like I said, being anchored to something so it doesn't feel like the room is spinning as fast as it is. Because, I mean, there are times where I feel like I can be looking at something, like a wall, and I can almost see the wall moving past me. Right. Is this... Because, I mean, obviously, you know, blood pressure is what causes you to pass out. Like, Mm -hmm. your blood flow not going back up through your legs Mm -hmm. is why you black out when you're, you know, walking or whatnot. Is does blood pressure cause nausea? Like, is it is it tied into that aspect of POTS? Is nausea something that is a side effect of POTS or a symptom? Nausea is a symptom of POTS for sure. Um, that I know, and I've been seeing like a lot of people in different Facebook groups talking about it now. I don't know why this time of year. I feel like it's so strange. I feel like somehow... I'm connected so much with other people from the groups that I follow. And then how much weather actually plays a part mm-hmm. in it? Because I'll be like, oh my God, I feel like I'm freaking dying right now. And I'll go on to one of the groups. And as soon as I go into one of the groups, 
that here comes, you know, my symptoms, like somebody mm-hmm. else has them at the exact right. same time. So I, I really, really think it has a lot to do with, you know, influx of weather, whether it be hot or cold or just the transition. Because, I mean, it's like we said, it's been transitioning so fast from right. hot to cold, especially within the apartment. Well, according to the Mayo Clinic, you know, which is who treated you mm-hmm. and who I've really been urging you mm-hmm. and I'm going to urge you here live on the air to call them again because I've been really concerned. But including, you know, dizziness, fatigue, inability to exercise, lightheadedness and fainting, which is everything that plague you every day. <laughs> also common is a fast heart rate, anxiety, nausea. Mm-hmm. And I said it just like that woman in that commercial for nausea. <laughs> And blurred vision, which is another thing I want you to touch on because you have been blind as a goddamn bat. I don't know why. It has been crazy. Last week was the worst of it. And last week, the only thing that I changed was is my doctors put me back on an anti-anxiety medication because the anxiety was getting so bad. And, you know, I don't I can easily just go and take the vape pen out and do like two hits store in a Mm -hmm. day to try to go and fix the feeling of anxiety. Right. All right. I don't want to be the person that gets high when they wake up in the morning, has to get high during lunch, has to get high during you know, after dinner, and then smoke to go to sleep at night. All right. I do want to be that person. <laughs> I was just going to say, but like, seriously, really? I was giving him a look. <laughs> no, no, no. But really, I mean, at the end of the day, I I get it. I you don't want to be benefits, medicated all the time. Right? right. And I know what the benefits are for nighttime, and I have come to accept that. It's fine. I would much rather smoke before bed than take a Xanax if I can do that. Right. Just because, you know, I have experience with pharmaceutical companies. I don't want to be, you know, right. a slave to pharmaceuticals. But in the same respect, I don't want to be a slave to any any remedy, whether it be natural right. or you pharmaceutical. Just be normal. Right. Exactly. So I try not to go ahead and do this you know, during the daytime. But because of that, I was put on medication again. And I remember last time it was the same way when my vision got a little bit blurred after I starting it, the the medication. The, yeah. But man, this past week has been absolutely insane with not being able to see. And I mean, not just not being able to see, but going outside, even when it's not windy, and looking like I'm walking down the street crying because I'm trying to focus on something far away. Right. And my eyes just, just, it's like splashdown. It's crazy that I can't focus. And like a bunch of times this week, just trying to read stuff off my laptop for work and get it done, like instructions, I've been unable to read it. I have not been able to read my iWatch hardly at all. Like the typeface that comes up on that is way too small for me to read. Um, but what about now? Is it better? Is has it gotten better since the beginning, or is it still better since better since the beginning of the week? I would say by Wednesday it started to you know level out, like let you kind of focus in a little bit, but still not perfect. Okay. You know, and and again, like I said, I do know that that takes time, you know, to go ahead and and get fixed when you add in, mm-hmm. you know, this type of medication with everything else that's going on because I've been through this before, right? Um, but I mean, it's just. It just seems like everything is just piling on at the moment. Right. Yeah. No. And it just seems like we're we're constantly like trying to struggle up just to touch bottom. Like yeah. we're constantly below bottom. And it's scary. And it's it's overwhelming. Like it, it's very overwhelming. It's very scary. But the good news is. Is there good news? 
Yeah. Unless there's more people getting into office, it isn't going to matter anyway because we'll all be just one alert away from all jumping in a sewer. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there you have it. (laughs) And that does it, right? I think so. I think, like, it's gone down to pot. All right, then. Let's, uh, Let's get out of this segment and wrap it up. And thus wraps up this week's episode. Aw, so light. So light. <laughs> we'll do something better next yeah, we'll week. Yeah, we'll get something we'll, we'll get something a little lighter for sure. Airier. <laughs> so uh listen, if you want to learn more about the High Regard Show, check us out at highregardshow.com. And if you wanna like send us anything that you want to send us via email, you can do so at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could also reach out to us on social media as High Regard Show. And if you're not doing it already, you need to be following Kona because we have been putting up some really cute pictures of her. So you can find her on social media as the Kona persona. And she is quite the persona. That's my girl. All right. Again, thank you so much to Erin. We really appreciate yes. her being on the show. And um, and I think that's it, everybody. Hope you all have a great week and uh, keep checking for those alerts. Yeah. <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. That's it. Good night, everyone. <laughs>